Hey, Think Squad. What you're about to hear is bonus content that was cut from part two of our interview with Stephen Wolf and Thomas Acord, the hosts of the Ars Politica podcast. I want to make it clear that I'm still processing the ideas that are shared by our guests. And in our actual interview, I don't think I quite did a good enough job of explaining that, you know, these aren't necessarily the ideas of the Think Institute or myself or Prof. Khaldun. But nevertheless, we really do support the idea of sharing ideas and providing a context in which these ideas can be discussed and evaluated. And that includes ideas that maybe we're not sure if we agree with. So I'm sharing these with you now for you to listen to, digest, and evaluate for yourself based on scripture and your own Bible-guided Christian reasoning. So without any further ado, here is part three, the bonus content of our interview with the Ars Politica guys. My name is Joel Sedeckes. In 2009, I left my job in the business world to teach Bible at a Christian high school in Chicago. Impacted by my students' questions, I set out on a journey that brought me first to seminary to study apologetics and philosophy of religion, and then into pastoral ministry. As a pastor, I saw firsthand the struggle of believers confronted with questions of life that at first seemed impossible to answer, and the powerful confidence that came when they saw how God's Word gives the answers and guidance they needed. I had a dream to spread that message and equip more followers of Jesus, so my family and I joined Crew and launched the Think Institute. Now, I'm on a mission to equip believers to explain, share, and defend the Christian message by applying timeless biblical truths to current cultural challenges. I don't have all the answers, but I'm determined to find them. And through this show, I'm reporting back to you, the Think Squad, what I discover. Welcome to the Think Podcast. Really quickly before we start, learning how to interpret all of life through the lens of God's Word takes a lot of work, more than just one or two podcast episodes a week. If you have an interest in the intersection between the biblical worldview and biblical manhood and current events, as I do, as well as philosophy, theology, and many, many leather-bound books, consider joining our free online community, the Think Squad group on Facebook, Gab, and on Signal. There you can join hundreds of other Christ followers who are also on the same journey, and we trade apologetic stories and strategies, we discuss philosophy and theological questions. It's like a huge bull session around a bonfire in your backyard or at your favorite cigar lounge. So check out the Think Squad group on Facebook, Gab, and Signal. Can you gentlemen unpack something that I've been been reflecting on with some colleagues of mine? It's the concept of utilitarian ethic in medicine. So for the needs of the many to be safe, um, well, the needs of the few to be safe, excuse me, we have to now lock down the many. We have to now give the many, the multiple, everyone else be vaccinated, rather than regardless of their weight, regardless of their obesity status, their uh, mentality, their ability to survive a vaccine or not, their age, more comorbidities, irrelevant, everyone needs to be vaccinated. And that seems to be a broad perspective here. And that's at the cost of the, the few, the minority, right? 
um, the minority have to be protected so the majority have to suffer. Can you guys, being in politics, unpack some of the disastrous consequences of how utilitarian ethic in history has resulted in people in people's lives? I mean, I, I can I can understand the principle that that you you should protect those who are the most vulnerable uh, in in something like this. So I think you can affirm that principle. Again, again it goes back to trade offs. Um, but I think it, in terms of the, the health, well, what we talked about on our podcast was that. Um, I think people on the right would be more willing to get the vaccine and would see it as a part of the public spirit if public health was uh, a, a, a complete package. It wasn't just passive. That if public health and, and our culture of health was about get in shape, lose weight, you know, it's it's not not it's the the dad bod's not funny or something like that. If there was that culture, uh, and it wasn't, I, I think people are rightly suspicious. I think a lot of people who are kind of un- uneducated, but they have like they're, they're they're wise in a sense of wait, something doesn't seem right that now all these people are have gone nuts on the coasts and now they're influencing policy in my sparsely populated rural. Um, so it's uh, I think people have a sense that something is is wrong. Uh, and something's very suspicious. And I think, so if, in terms of uh, po- health policy, I think people would be more receptive to all that. But I, I think that people are rightly suspicious that something else is going on. I think that goes the psychosis that there, that this has offered a, it's offered people who like the idea of a credentialed culture that you listen to the experts, that you have the letters next to your name, and uh, and so it's, it's highly. So who are you? Like, have you have you taken the class? I mean, you see this even in history. Like, have you ever taken a graduate level history class? How can you make that claim? Or um, so there's there's a very credentialed environment where everything that you say has to be backed by like this sort of institutionalized authority, as if you can hold up your your achievement sheet, like you're in kindergarten, you have stars on it. And that one star says, see, it says I have a PhD or it says I have an MD. And that's our culture now. And this, uh, the, the COVID environment has offered certain people uh, the, this opportunity to kind of show their their credentials around. Uh, and it's, I, I mean, we mentioned on the podcast, there, there's a sort of feminized aspect to this. Yeah, you guys the, went, you guys went, hard in that direction on that last episode <laughs> i heard, you, <laughs> I heard yeah. you joking about it uh in the outtakes i didn't know you guys did outtakes at the end of the episode <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know about those outtakes i Thomas does those um they usually yeah. have me i think saying something but, <laughs> yeah i mean but, but seriously i think that um there is something to the idea that there's that this is kind of feminized I, it's hard for me to believe that Men as men would would respond to the COVID crisis as as um, we have, I, the, the, I because because men men are more willing to take risks. They're more into active a, a, achievement rather than passive or institutionalized achievement. Um, they're less interested in credentials. Mm. Uh, they're less willing to assert their credentials, uh, and. But women generally tend to be more risk averse and more about credentials. 
uh, and more passive aggressive. Um, and I think that you have some, I think you see a lot of passive aggression, just wearing your mask on your Twitter picture yeah. is passive aggression. Um, not, wonder, not for everyone, but for, I think many people, same with showing that you got your shot. Yeah. Um, all sorts of things are very passive aggressive and, and it's, so it, it's very, it's lend its, lend itself to, lend itself to that kind of feminized culture. But wouldn't, wouldn't you say, so, I mean, I look at, you know, my own wife and obviously it's a small sample size to one person, but, um, you know, she's just as anti uh she's just as pro liberty and and anti uh, compulsory masking and compulsory vaxing and all this stuff as me um and i heard you guys use that term feminized <clears throat> um to me it almost seems like it's uh it's more maybe effeminate e effeminized um and the reason why I, I say that is because uh you know there's there's the way women act and yes i i i of course, believe that women have certain attributes on the whole that men don't have and vice versa. Um, but there's, there's a certain way that effeminate men act, which is almost like a characterized version of how women act. It's like, like it's not, they're not acting like women. They're acting like emasculated men. And Man, this is this is a, a only a half formed thought here, but it, it was a thought that I had when I was listening to your guys' episode. It's like these these public policies—they're not feminine; they're effeminate. They're 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 weak. They're castrated. You know, they're they're C.S. Lewis's uh, uh, castrate and bid the geldings be fruitful kind of thing. Like they're they're um they're like overly weak and 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 yet they're almost. Uh, strutting their weakness around you know uh look like like the the cnn news anchor who self-congratulatory put a a picture of himself getting the vaccine and had his sleeve rolled up and uh he had this shirt on congratulating himself on all of his accomplishments and uh, what's that guy's name um joe biden that was that was a different uh uh <laughs> um but uh, but it's it's like it's like this this peacocking of 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 weakness. It's it's look at how boldly dependent I am, and uh, you know it's the guy, it's the young man who went up in front of some crowd, and if you saw this viral video, you know what I'm talking about, and sang a a, a song to Dr. Fauci to the tune of Mr. Sandman. He's like, Dr. Fauci, give us a vaccine, da 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 da, and you're watching this, and it's cringe level maximum. <laughs> it's the print, and it's like no woman would do this. This is this is a, yeah. a an effeminate peacocking strutting around of how dependent I am as a man. It's it's passive. It's it's active passivity, and I, I don't know how to describe it other than just you know cringy effeminacy. And, am I, I wrong? No, I would agree with you, Joel. But I I think I think we can we can kind of maybe synthesize some of the things we're saying here. Please, it, it is it is. It is effeminate. It is a distortion of the female, but it's a distortion of the female, hmm. not the male uh, a attributes. Hmm. So it, men can act effeminate and it's sinful. The Bible says this uh, in uh, what is it, Corinthians or something. Um, it, men, should, men should not act this way. But uh, what you're describing is this 
It's it's when it's the when the female goes wrong, it goes wrong in this direction. And and I think the sin of the Garden of Eden is that Adam went along with her. He followed her. Mm. He shouldn't have followed her, but he did. And he didn't defend the garden. He didn't speak truth. He didn't defend his, his wife. He went along. And there's the sin of Abraham uh, also. Uh, is he, he, you listened to your, to your wife. Um, so this is, uh, I think, what's happening here. Is it, it is, it's not uh, femininity as it ought to be. It's a distortion of, of the female. But it is a distortion. Like the distortion of the male attributes uh, would be something that's overly aggressive, more like a 1984 situation, ah. uh, where where it's like it's like the iron fist, but the boot, the, the boot stamping on the right the boot on forever. the on the human face forever. Yeah. Whereas to go back to Lewis's that hideous strength, it's the 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 sins the distortion of the female is gentle and mild and oh. smothering and meticulous and bureaucratic and and it's and it festers and it's it's caring for you the whole time. It wants your best, uh, but it never allows you. Like the mother wants the child to stay home forever. The dad's like, let him go, let him, let him go, become a man or or an independent individual. Which government do we have right now? We have the one that wants you home. And uh, I, w- I want to reference this for you in the in the chat. Uh, just maybe you can post it to the notes or something of the. But there's a, there's some studies that show that. Uh, Women generally in politics, when they vote, they vote in a, the direction of things that we're looking at. Sorry, my kids are yelling. The, uh, the, in the direction of things we're talking about today, like women more than men support a bigger government. They support a government that offers more services. They support listening to authorities and roll with it. All right, man. I'm just gonna go. The kids are having oh, a great that, time out there. That's fine. We're, okay. we're, we're all dads. I mean, okay. They they support to... they support credentials and uh, authority over reason and evidence. For instance, hmm. uh, more than men out, you can look at some of the data and see. Well, men do too. Like if more liberal men favor these things more than conservative men do, but the women are on all spectrums politically move in a certain direction. So if the a, an effeminate society is one that has the female sins, the female vices, not the male vices. And so I think what our point in the previous podcast we did was mass psychosis formation is something that could happen among a, 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 an effeminate, uh, um, among a society that has the feminine vices hmm. or, or maybe what we can call like a gynarcho, gynarchic, I forget the word. Uh, it's hard to say. Gynarcho, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is so, good stuff. Gy- Gynarcho tyranny. That's a, yeah. yeah. Well, you got you guys back I, on. So I think see, I, about the issue in more detail. Uh, now, I, oh, well, yeah. I want to get even more controversial here. Um, that's <laughs> no, fine. I'm, I'm, that, I'm going to beep all this out anyway. Uh, okay, I'll, <laughs> I'll just go far farther than, than Thomas a little bit. Um, I, I don't think it's just an effeminate society. I think it's a feminized society, and then the men who have to operate within that society become female adjacent. So I know that's a left-wing critical theory term, mm. usually used as white adjacent. Yeah. That, that is like maybe Asians would have to be white adjacent in order to get along with the system. That's but right. I think there is something to that. Um, you have a, a female dominant society, 
how are men going to operate within that society with any credibility? Well, they do it by being female adjacent. Hmm. And so, I, uh, I, that doesn't contradict what Thomas said, I don't think, but it does speak to, I think, uh, the, the powers that work within society broadly are going to be f- feminine or, or female. And, and so, Hmm. As, as well, I would say that it would be better to have a, mas- a masculine society. But I think what, what manifests in, in, in gynarchic conditions uh, are certain contradictions. So, I think the most blatant contradiction would be the, the, the trans in sports situation. Hmm. So, it's, it's seen, as, as I understand it, white women are, are, the, are, most, are the most willing to support, uh, and liberals generally are most willing to support uh, you know, female to or male to females, trans within sports. Yeah, but there's a contradiction there because then there are also feminists who want to support, I guess, biological women, and and that actually undermines. So it, it's it involves a contradiction, yeah. and I think that and I think that you can same same thing with crime. So women are are often. Uh, we'll, we'll claim that they, and it's true that they're often unsafe due to crime. They can they're they're smaller generally, and they can be assaulted by by men in, in crime. And yet they tend to support policies that would seemingly increase crime because would defund the police or or reduce um, more active policing measures. And so there's that sort of contradiction as well. And I think COVID is another example where you have. A uh, very heavy hand, like Thomas was saying, this like school marmish, uh, sort of nice smothering um, form of of politics and policies that actually end up harming their their own mental health and the mental health of others and the people that they they love, uh, and it doesn't balance out the the various goods in life. So I think I mean this is probably I don't know probably controversial, but I think that there's an there. There are inevitable contradictions that arise from feminine dominant politics. Mm. And I, I think that a more masculine politics, even though there are vices involved with that, certainly are vices involved in that, uh, that it's it's more prone to to weighing and balancing and having prudent uh, policy choices that will balance the various goods. But but that includes that, that that I guess that that includes going back to a less egalitarian form of politics. Um so but anyway that, that that's 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 you know my position. So I, I think that the COVID, like I said, is very kind of feminine feminine response. So there you go. Yeah. No that that makes <laughs> sense. And um you know um so I, I wanna I wanna continue to process that. Probably I'll do some good thinking about that off off air. Um, that's, it's, it's, that's interesting that what we're seeing is, um, an example of, uh, as you put it, gynarchic or, um, uh, it's like a matriarchy, uh, it's, it's, um, feminine attributes gone wrong as opposed to masculine attributes gone wrong. Um, yeah, yeah so that's, that's very interesting. Okay. That about wraps it up for this episode. The Think Podcast is a production of the Think Institute and is produced by yours truly, Joel Sedeckes. The Think Institute operates under Church Movements, a ministry of Crew under the division of Crew City. To learn about how to support the Think Institute and my family tax-free, go to thethink.institute/partner. I hope you heard something helpful today. I know I did. Remember, this is not goodbye. This has just been a short stop on the journey 
as we learn to lead our families in defending the Christian message. And we'll see you next time. Until then, I hope it made you think. <laughs>